Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Again, my name's Bobby. If I haven't got to meet you yet, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are honored that you're here with us today. If this is one of your first times, please, please, please stop by the tent outside. We have a free gift we want to give you. And you know my motto, if it's free, it's for me. Okay, so come on, stop by. We just give you a little bit of information. We'd love to meet you. Um, I, I got a question for you. I want to start off today. How many of you are, are, are a to-do list person? You're a to-do list person. You got to have your list. You work off your list. How many of you are just like, whatever happens, that's what I'm going to do today? Anybody? Okay. Okay, be honest, like that free spirit. Okay, that's fine. Well, listen, I have got a ton of information. So I'm a to-do list person, okay? And so I've been working through, uh, we've been in this series called Yes, You. And um, this series is all about um, uh, me understanding that God can speak to me, right? We come to church sometimes and we think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. Oh, I wish my husband or my wife is really listening, right? We, we think of other people, but this series has been all about changing that mindset that, that I, God can use me. Yes, even you can be used by God. So I've got this checklist of things and a lot of information I want to give you. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're a, if you're a note taker, get your pen and, and, and your paper out or get your phone out. Um, if you're not a note taker, uh, get your pen and paper out and take some notes today. All right. We've got a lot of stuff to, ca- to, to go over. And so I'm going to try my best to, to get out of here before noon and then we'll, we'll go on about our day. Uh, as I was thinking about all this information and, and, and trying to get it to you guys and transferring it, I, I heard this story. And so I just want you to know this is a joke, so don't get offended, okay? There was this guy, and he was talking to this lady, and he asked her, he said, hey, do you want to hear a blonde joke? And this lady who was blonde, she, she kind of looks at him, gives him a funny eye, and says, well, do you, do you see us? And, and, and she says, I'm, I'm six foot tall, 180 pounds, and, and I'm the world kickboxing champion. You, you really want to tell this blonde joke? And he's like, uh, well, and, and do you see this, this lady next to me? She's six foot two, 200 pounds. She's a world champion wrestler. Do you, you still want to tell this joke? And he said, do you see the last girl? She's six foot five, 225 pounds. She is the Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion of the world. And do you still want to tell this joke? And he looks at him and he's like, you know what? No, I don't feel like explaining it three times. <laughs> so that's me today. I need you to listen. I need you to lock in with me. We're going to have some fun today. Uh, uh, and, and I want you to just to, to engage with me. I promise I'm, I'm going to talk fast. You listen fast, but I really believe this. I believe God has a word for you today. Whether, again, this is your first time or you've been here with us since day one, God has a word for us today. I really believe that. Quick review. Uh, we talked about in week one of Yes, You, a mission. You and I, if you're a follower of Christ, we need to have a mission. We need to live our lives every day on a mission. And our mission here at City Hope Church is inviting everyday people to experience the hope of Jesus in every way. And we want this to be your mission. 
as you go out into the grocery store, your workplace, your neighborhood, we want you to invite people to experience the hope of Jesus in every way. And then week two, we started with, what, what, what's the goal? If you're someone who comes to church and you sit in a, in a seat every week, what's your goal? Like, it's not just to come and sit, right? Like, it's more than just an hour, uh, an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. So what are some of the goals? And we call these marks of a disciple. What is a mark of a disciple? Someone who is, who is striving to be a follower of Christ. In week, week two, we talked about healthy families. We want you to have a healthy family. We want to help you. We believe in your family. We believe in the role that your family plays in this world. And, and as City Hope Church, we want to be a resource for our community. And, and I shared about this vision of what we call the Hope Center. We want to get the Hope Center going. And this is going to be a place where I mean, families can just come and, and we want to be a resource, whether that's a, a marriage counseling, parent counseling, you know, a pregnancy crisis, any kind of way that we can help our community find hope. And, and we want to give a hand up, not a handout. We want to help people in our community and help just get healthy families. Now, we want your personal family to be healthy, but we also care about your spiritual family. We want you to have people in your corner, people on your team that are helping you. That's why we have small groups. So the first mark of a disciple is healthy family. The second one we talked about last week is being one focused. We looked at the story of Jesus and as he told the parable of the 99 sheep and one or 100 sheep, 99 get here, one gets lost. What did Jesus do? He went after the one. The shepherd went after the one. And every person who is a follower of Jesus, we need to have that mindset. We need to make sure that there's somebody in our life that is close to us, but they're far from God. And we're trying to get them to know and understand and love Jesus. And so that's, that's the, the first two marks of a disciple. Today we're going to uh, go through the second two, the last two today. Now, both of these are centered around um, the the two greatest commandments in all of the Bible. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to bounce around a lot today, but go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at this time. So, so the religious elite, the church people, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they were, they were questioning Jesus, all right? And they're like, Jesus, listen, um, we, we want to know these answers. And honestly, they were a little bit frustrated right here in this, in this time. Anybody been frustrated with Jesus? Anybody ever, ever? All right, we're in church, you're lying. All right, so uh, the religiously, they were frustrated with Jesus. They couldn't catch him. They couldn't, they couldn't figure him out. He kept, you know, he kept slipping and, and, and not really uh, allowing them. He was showing his wisdom. But then this lawyer stood up and, you know, doing what lawyers do. He thought he knew everything. He thought he was the, the right guy. And so he, he stands up and he starts to test Jesus. So Luke chapter 10. Let's stand and honor the reading of God's word as we go through Luke chapter 10. It'll be on the screens behind me if you don't have your Bible with you today. We'll begin reading in verse number 25. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? Verse 27, Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus tells him this very familiar story. Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hand of robbers. They stripped him, they beat him up, they fled, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He had compassion, underline that. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. Father, I pray your blessing on the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit, your presence would be here in this place. You would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would change us, that you would challenge us today. Help us to walk out of here with a, with a fire just burning to, to live for you, to, to walk this journey with you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. So as we read this story according to Luke, and, and as Luke shares this story, I think we see two marks of a disciple right here in this very familiar, very famous passage of Scripture. The, and so today, for the first one we're going to talk about today is one who is pursuing Christ. One who is pursuing Christ. What's a goal for me if I'm a disciple, if I'm a follower of Jesus? Someone who is pursuing Christ. Christ. The lawyer asked Jesus, what's the number one thing I need to do? What's the most important thing? If I do nothing else, what is the most important thing I do here on earth? And Jesus answers him and he says, I want you to love God with everything you've got. I want you to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. I need you to go all in on loving Jesus. And so, so we realize real quickly that God created you and I to love him and to know him. To love him and to get to know him, right? We weren't made, we weren't created just to mark things off of our checklist, right? We weren't created just to do that. You were created for a purpose. And the mark of a disciple of Christ is someone who is in a lifelong pursuit of God. Don't miss that. The, the mark of a disciple is someone who is in a lifelong pursuit of God. If, if I were to ask you today whether you wanted a deeper relationship with God or not, most of us in here would be like, yeah, I do, I do. I want a deeper relationship with God. But what it really comes down to is am I willing to do what is necessary? Am I willing to do what it takes to have a deeper walk with Christ? And I started thinking about it this week. The only thing that keeps distance between me and God is me. God doesn't move. He doesn't turn his back. He doesn't, he doesn't run, right? The only reason there's any distance between me and God is me. So Jesus says, you got to love God with everything you got. you got to pursue Christ. you got to chase after him. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, what, what do you mean? How do I pursue Christ? How do I, how do I figure this thing out? And, and I want you to think about this, right? Like those of you who are married, intimacy takes effort, Right? Like getting to know someone, getting to, getting, to, getting to know your spouse better, getting to know your friends better. It takes time. It takes, uh, you know, proximity. We got to get close. We got to talk to each other. We got to know each other. It is a lifelong pursuit. So how do I pursue Christ? I pursue Christ through spiritual discipline. I, I pursue Christ through spiritual discipline. 
And I know some of you right now, you're like, oh, I don't like that word, right? I don't, I don't like that word discipline. Hey, I, I found a really cool definition of discipline this week. It's, de- it's defined as this. Training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior. Let me say it again. Training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior. Now, I want you to think about this. All of us have a sin nature, right? All of us are selfish. You didn't have to teach your kids, you know, how to, how to be mad, how to steal, how to cheat, how to lie. They just have it in them, right? Nobody taught us how to do that. We all have a sin nature. Guess what? Discipline is not a part of our sin nature, right? We, we, it's against our natural. We want the things that are easy, right? It's, it's against everything in us to deny myself, right? That cheesecake looks really good. I'm going to not eat it, right? It's, it's, it's not in our normal DNA to deny ourselves, to deny our selfish wants, to make ourselves do hard things. But, but this is foundational when it comes to being a disciple of Christ, someone who is trying to live for Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are a must. Now, I want to make sure and make this very clear. Spiritual disciplines do not earn us favor with God. Okay, it's not because I do more, I'm better, right? It's not God's going to treat me better if I do these things. We're not earning favor with God. Spiritual disciplines, let me give you this definition, are practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. Practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. These, listen to me, these are activities, not attitudes, Okay, these are activities, these are, these are practices, these are things that I literally do, things that I practice in my life, right? Paul told the, the church, in, or Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he says, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. These are things that I put in practice, these are things that I do. I want to give you five real quick. Five spiritual disciplines that you and I, as a mark of a disciple, as one who is pursuing Christ. Number one, scripture. Read it, study it, know it, memorize it, meditate on it. Scripture is everything. Paul calls the the word of God the sword of the spirit. It's our weapon against everything that comes to us in this world. And and he tells us to arm ourselves with everything that this world's going to throw at you. All the enemy wants to do to you and your family. All the frustration, all the disappointment, all the discouragement. We have to arm ourselves with scripture. Every word is inspired by God. Every, Every life question that we may have is found the answer in the word of God. It's God's promises. It's full of wisdom. So the first spiritual discipline is we have to be connected to scripture. Number two is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Remember, these are practices, not attitudes. These are things that I do. First Thessalonians, Paul said this, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't, you know, when we, sometimes we think when we pray, it's, it's, you know, fold my hands, bow my head, close my eyes. That's not what he's talking about, walk around like this all day. Okay, he's not talking about when he says pray without ceasing. He's saying this is an attitude that I'm I'm God conscious all the time. Every decision I I surrender to you, Lord, I carry this with me all the time. I'm in constant communication with God, not just Sunday at church, not just before I eat, not, not just when I tuck my kids into bed. I'm in constant conversation with God. That's prayer. Pray without ceasing. Fasting is giving up something so that I can get closer to God. 
taking something out of my life that, that maybe looms larger than it should and get rid of that thing for a season so that I can focus on God. So the second spiritual discipline is prayer and fasting. Number three is community. Community. We see in the early church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, it's, community is a big deal. Acts chapter 2 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Community was a big deal in the first church. Like, people understood, like, hey, we want to hear teaching, we want to have fellowship, we want to break bread together. This is a really big deal. And, and we talked about this just a few weeks ago. The truth is, we all need people. Right? We need people in our corner. When life is tough and, and, and you know, you, you get the flu and when mom's down with the flu, everything just falls apart, right? You just need somebody to help you with a meal or something. We all need community in our lives. We need to, to encourage each other. We need to spur one another on. God gave us each other to walk alongside each other. And we have to practice godly community. We have to practice this spiritual discipline of putting people in our circle that will, that will encourage us, that will challenge us, that will call us out, you know, that will kick us in the pants when we need it. We all need those people, and that's why we have small groups. Small groups aren't perfect, but it's a place that we can practice being in godly community. you got to have godly community in your life when we're pursuing Christ. Number four is worship. Number four, the fourth spiritual discipline is worship. Now, the word worship includes, um, think about it, this, this giving reverence to God, okay? It's giving reverence to God. Many times in the Bible, believers, they bow down, they pray, they sing, they offer, they offer sacrifices, they offer acts out of reverence for, for worship for God. Now, I want you to think about it like this. Worship is a personal thing that you and I need to do in our own lives, but it's also an interpersonal thing where we need to do it corporately. We need to have people in our lives that we do this with. Go back to the first church again in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says, every day, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. So I'm announcing today that we're going to start meeting here every day, 10 o'clock, every single day. Because, no. Every day they met in the temple together. They broke bread from house to house. Look at this. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. Worship is a discipline we must have, this reverence for God. It's not just singing. It's an it's a, it's a, a, a Action, it's, it's giving God my reverence and my worship. So that's number four, spiritual discipline. Number five, number five is giving, giving. Now, let me stop there. We're not only talking about money, okay? Certainly is a piece of it. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about what, what in the church world we say this, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Our, our interaction, I want you to think about it like this. Our interaction with giving with God is when we understand that everything I have is his anyway. Right? Sometimes uh, um, when, I, when I give um, my daughter, Sissy, when I give her some money, um, she doesn't mind spending it all. Right? Why? Not her money. <laughs> right? It was, it's dad's money. So I can do whatever I want with it. Right? And, 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 and in one sense, that's a good attitude to have, right? Okay, it's his. 
If he says give it back, I'll give it back. If he says I can spend it, I can spend it. And you and I, we need to go in and, and, and with everything we've got, our time, our talent, our treasure, we need to acknowledge that everything belongs to God. If I can start with that mindset, then I honor the Lord with everything that he's given me. The Bible talks a lot about honoring God with our wealth. Honoring God with our wealth. When we honor God with our wealth, you know what we're doing? We're demonstrating trust. We're saying, God, I trust you with everything that I've got. And guess what? When we honor God with our wealth, he promises to take care of us. Look at Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. When we honor God, when we give back to God. Listen, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of stewardship. Giving is, is supposed to be cheerful. Giving is supposed to be generous, the Bible says. Giving is a spiritual discipline that we must practice. We must get into the habit of being a giver of our time, our talent, and our treasure. we got to practice. So, so I, I know we went through those quick. Man, that's like a five-week sermon series, right? I'm giving it to you really fast today. But these are some, some spiritual disciplines and practices that you and I, if we want to pursue Christ, it's not just, I'm not just going to be a Sunday Christian, right? I'm not just going to be a, a Sunday person. I heard this story this week. It's so funny. This, this guy, his pastor was outside after church one Sunday, and the guy walked up to him, and the pastor's like, man, where you been? I haven't seen you. You, you need to be a soldier for the Lord. What's, well, you need to be in the Lord's army. And the guy says, what are you talking about, pastor? I am in the Lord's army. He goes, well, I've only seen you on Christmas and Easter. That's not the Lord's army. He said, well, I'm in the Lord's secret service. Like, <laughs> Listen, spiritual disciplines are practices that I do every day. It has nothing to do with sitting in here on Sundays. It has everything to do with my heart and my life that I'm striving to live for Jesus. It's a mark of a disciple. We need to pursue Christ. Now, I want to quickly move to the last mark of the disciple. So, so in that story, Jesus said the first and greatest command. you got to love God with everything you got. Pursue God with everything you got. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, everything. Pursue Christ. And then he says the second commandment is just like it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to think about this. Discipline is tough, right? But, but those fir the first ones, the spiritual disciplines, that, that has a lot to do with me. Right? Worship, community, pursuing Christ in Scripture, prayer. That, that's a lot of me. And that's tough. But what about the spiritual discipline? What about the, the discipline that it takes to love the people around me? Like, I think it's, I think it's a whole nother step. It's a whole nother thing. Okay, I can, I can love me pretty good. Okay? Like, let's be honest. It's not that hard. But when it comes to other people, and, and listen to me, church, this is where so many, so many Christians, we fall off here. We stop here. Because when it comes to loving other people, it's difficult. Jesus said in the story, he said, the priest walked by on the other side. The Levite walked by on the other side. Why? It's easier to walk by and not stop. It's easier just to keep going and focus on my life and what I've got going on. It's tough to stop and say, hmm, how can I help? And so, so let me give you the, the final mark of a disciple is one who is engaged in the community. One who is engaged 
in community. And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by that. Through service and sacrifice. Through service and sacrifice. What did the good Samaritan do? He saw, first thing he did, he saw someone in need. And for most of us, that's, that's where it starts. We just got to pick our head up and look. It's not hard to find people in need. It's not hard to find people who need Jesus. And Jesus, he tells this story and he said, the, the Samaritan saw him. And then what does it say? It says he went in, he bandaged him. He gave him things. He helped him, put him on his horse, took him to the inn, paid for him for a good night's rest, told the guy, I'll pay you back. Just take care of this man. That's a lot of service. That's a lot of sacrifice. And if you and I, we want to be a mark of a disciple. Listen, what was Jesus all about when he came? To seek and to save the lost, right? That was his mission. That was his goal. That was his perfect pur purpose. And that's what he's trying to get the Pharisees, the church people, that's what he's trying to get them to understand. And that, I love that at the very end of that story, what does he say? He says, go and do the same. You go do and do, do the same thing that Good Samaritan did. Go do the same. Here's what he's saying. Go engage the hurting and broken. Those people that, that you walk by, those people that you see at work, those people that, you, you know, we see on the side of the road, engage and, and understand that those people are broken. Jesus was on a mission to make heaven crowded. And he modeled this everywhere he went. He, he modeled who he ministered to. And, and, and let's be honest, because here's, here's where we struggle, right? This is tough. We get caught up in our own little bubble, in our family, in our little circle, and we stop looking. We stop looking out at the people around us that are hurting. We stop, we stop even seeing those people. But we can't live in our little bubble and not care about people if we are a true disciple of Christ. And, and I want you to think about this. A good measure, we talked about this a few weeks ago. A good measure of spiritual growth is our depth of concern for other people. A good measure of your spiritual growth is your depth of concern for other people. As I allow the gospel to change me, as I allow it to leak into every part of my life, then I begin to develop a deep care for people just like the good Samaritan when he saw the man. Our attention begins to turn away from ourselves and the needs, uh, uh, and it begins to turn towards the needs of others. But I want, you to, I want you to look at this because this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching and he's got all these people and he's telling them, this is, listen to what he says. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. It gives light for all who are in the house. And here's the command. If you're a follower of Jesus, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, let your light shine so the world can see it. Not so they can see you, but so that God gets the glory. That God is using you as a disciple. The word of God tells us that we have the light, we are the light of Christ, and, and we need to put it out in this dark world. And man, you know, if we can look at it, sometimes we look, up, look at it more as a, um, as a chore. What if we looked at it like a privilege? What if we looked at this command? You mean, I, I get to shine God's light? 
I get to go into this world and, and so people can see it and hear it and feel it and experience it and praise him and glorify him. I get to, I get to do all that? Like it's an honor to be chosen by God to represent him out there in this world. Let me say that again. It's an honor to be chosen by God to represent him in this world. I love this quote. I read this quote. Small lights have a way of being seen in a dark world. Now, let's, let's take that to, to our sermon series. Yes, you. Some of you in here, man, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you're like, man, I'm unlikely. I don't know a lot about God. I'm, I'm new to this church thing. I haven't been a follower very long. And, 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 and that, that quote right there, that's for you. Small lights. Small lights have a way of being seen in a dark world. You don't have to be a Bible scholar and, and know the Bible front to back. You don't, you don't be a light for Jesus. Understand that I can be a light for Jesus. Look what he says in Galatians when, when Paul's telling the church, for you were created to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. I can go on and on and on. So many scriptures, so many times. First Peter, just as one has each received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. Through serving and sacrificing, through engaging in my community, people can know Jesus. People can know who he is. And there's never, there's never going to be a shortage of people who need Jesus. You know where the shortage always is? You know where the shortage always is? Jesus said it like this. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. The shortage is always on our side. Why is that? Why is, the sh why is the shortage always on our side? We're the ones that have the light. We're the ones that have the hope. We're the ones that have the joy and the peace and the grace. and the We have all that. Why is the shortage on the worker's side? Because so often we get right here. We get focused on our bubble and our life and things going on in my family, my relationships, my kids, my spouse. My work, and the shortage is always on our side. There's a lot of work to be done for the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, only a few people are willing to do the work. And I bet you could go to every church open in America today. Every church. They say, yeah, we got some great people to do it, but the same people who set up are the same ones who, you know, cook for the church dinner. They're the same ones who tear down. They're the same ones who take out the trash. They're the, same, they're the same ones who watch the kids. Every church in America has this problem. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Now, let me say this. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Serving in the church is an absolute necessary, right? It is absolute necessary. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you need to use your gifts. Uh, but I believe here's the way we should view this, okay? We should view this as our service inside the church is practice for going outside of the church and serving. It's practice. We, we serve, we use our gifts, we use our talents, we use our muscles, we use our, our money, we use our brain. We use everything we can to make God's church excellent and the best it can be. We need to serve the church. But it's practice for the service that we need to go do in this world. We must shine our light in this world. If not us, who else? D.L. Moody said it like this. We are told to let our light shine. And if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. 
Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. They just shine. You and I, whoever's here today and you're striving to be a follower of Christ, you want to be a disciple of Christ, listen, go shine your light. Go shine your light. Go engage in our community. Engage in the people around you. Engage in the, in the grocery store, in your neighborhood, in your family. Just shine. Just shine. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, after he tells that story, he says, go and do the same. Now, now break that down with me real quick. I love Jesus. He makes it so simple. Go and do. This isn't just an attitude. Oh, yeah, I care about people. Let's pray for them. Oh, yeah, I care about people. Man, I love people. Go and do the same. Not sit and talk about the same. Go and do the same. It's a mark of a disciple. It's a goal for you and I to have. These are goals. These are things for you and I to shoot at. Now, listen, I know I've covered a lot today, and I'm going to ask Brad and, and, and the team to come on back up. But it all starts with two commands. It all starts with two commands right here. Love God with everything I've got and love my neighbor as myself. Love God with everything I've got and love my neighbor as myself. Love people with everything that I've got. And we've laid out this, this uh, marks of a disciple, not as a to-do list. Listen, this isn't a to-do list for you to check off. But this is a way for you to gauge your spiritual growth. This is some goals that you can put in front of your life to say, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I want to do all that I can to follow Jesus. What do I need to do? Well, here you go. Number one, I want to strive to have a healthy family. How's your marriage? How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your, with your parents that are, that are older? Let's have a healthy family. Your personal family and your spiritual family. Where's your focus? Are you one focus? Is there someone in your life that's close to you but far from God? This is a goal. This is something. Right now, some of you, you, you can't think of that person. Man, start praying. God, bring me that person. Who's somebody that I can shine my light on? Someone who is pursuing Christ. Are you pursuing Christ? Do you have spiritual discipline in your life? It, it's, not, it's not about how much you read and how much time and when and where. It, it's, it's, it's about you having discipline in your life to get with Jesus and pursue him. Are you engaged in community? Are you engaged in this community that we, we are so blessed to live in? It's a, it's a beautiful place, right? It's a beautiful place. So much good here. So many great people, man. Last three years that we've been here, it's been phenomenal. But there's a lot of hurting people here. There's a lot of people that, 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 that listen to me. You have skills and gifts and passions and resources that you could take and you could engage in the community. Just like the Samaritan. And you see him, you say, you know what, I can, I can bandage him up. I can put him on the horse. I can, I can help this guy. The goal for you and I is that we shine our light. Shine your light this week. Now, the reality is, listen to me, church, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, this probably doesn't make a lot of sense. 
You, it, this probably is just like, ah, I, don't, I don't know, a goal, disciple, what, what does all that mean? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then listen to me. This comes second. The number one most important decision you'll ever make is giving your life to Jesus. He came, he died, he rose again, and he lives for you. Listen to me. You're like, oh, Bobby, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things I've said. You don't know the places I've gone, the people I've hurt. You don't know my sin. You know what? I don't have to know it, but I know that he does. And he says, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I don't care what you've done. I love you anyway. There's grace for you. There's mercy for you. I love you anyway. Listen to me today, church. If you don't know Jesus Christ, make that decision today. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. Before you walk out of this room, let me challenge you. Find one of our team. Come talk to me. Say, hey, I need to know Jesus. That's number one. That's number one. But maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Christ. Let me just ask you this simple question. How's your spiritual growth? How's your growth? I never want City Hope to be a church where we come and we just sit down and we clap and we look and we watch and we say, man, that was good. And we go home and we don't do anything about it until next Sunday. How's your growth? You got any goals in your life? You got any spiritual goals in your life? Something you're chasing after? Maybe you're here today and you feel stuck. You feel stale. You feel, man, it's just average. It's just mundane. It's just, I'm just right here. Can I encourage you today? Jump into some of these practices. Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Be obedient. Let's be obedient to these commands. Let's be obedient to the call of God on our lives. I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And we're going we're gonna to end our time uh, just, just a little bit different today. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you in here with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor Bobby, I know without any doubt I have a relationship with Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. He lives in my heart. I'm striving after him. I know without any doubt if I died today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up right now? I know without any doubt. I know without any doubt. I see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. You can put them right back down. Listen to me, church. Heads bowed, eyes closed. There's some of you in here today. You sit here and you could not raise your hand because you're not certain. You're not certain. And can I tell you? Jesus is calling today. He, he has you here for a reason. It's not by happenstance. It's not just some coincidence. It is divine by God's appointment for you to be here and to, to, to hear the Holy Spirit speaking into your life, speaking into your heart. And let me just encourage you today. Will you be obedient? If you want to know without any doubt, you want to know without any doubt, you don't want to lay your head down on the pillow one more night without knowing for certain that Jesus is the Lord of my life. God's, God's word says that you and I can know that and we can have peace. If you're here today and you weren't able to raise your hand, can I just encourage you? Don't be embarrassed. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't let, don't let distractions keep you from what God's calling you to do before you walk out of this room today. 
Everybody's going to get up and we're going to talk and we're going to leave and we're going to go to lunch. Before you leave this room today, would you come grab me by the hand? Grab Pastor Stephen, Pastor Brad, Brian's up here. Grab my wife, grab one of us and say, hey, I need to know. I need to know. You're here today and God's calling you to, 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 to refocus, to repurpose, get some goals in your spiritual life, take off after him. And, and you want these marks of a disciple to be someone that, uh, a description of you and your life. Hey, get that taken care of today. We're going to sing a song and, and, and this is a, a time for us just to respond to what God's doing. If he's stirring in your heart, you took some notes today, you read some scripture today, there, you heard something today and the Holy Spirit's using it. Take that step today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Father, I love you. And we're so blessed to, just to have a God that we can call on no matter what we've done, no matter how many bonehead decisions we've made. Lord, I pray for those in here today that couldn't raise their hand, man. Just, just pour your Holy Spirit, pour your presence on them today, God. Give them that Give them that spiritual discontentment in their heart because they need you. Give them courage and boldness to give their life to you today. I pray for those of us in this room that, 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 that we claim Christ, we're on the team, but the reality is we're a little stale. We're a little stalled out. I pray, God, that you would use today in this series to help us understand that, yes, even me, I can chase after Jesus. I can do great things for Jesus. I can shine my light for Jesus. Give us an obedient heart, courage and boldness to carry out whatever you're calling us to. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing. If you need somebody to talk to, we're here. Be obedient to God today. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.